Hello, fellow podcasters. Welcome back to Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop. We have Pastor Caleb Adams on with us, and we are talking about the blessings of the Lord. So let's jump into part two with Pastor Caleb Adams. Welcome back, everyone. So Pastor Caleb Adams is with us today, and he was just mentioning on the previous episode, spiritual and natural blessings. Yes. Very interesting discussion. So Pastor Adams, I need to ask you this. Jesus didn't ride around in a gold chariot with 12 horses that we can read of. You know, he didn't seem to have uh, massive advertising campaigns. And uh, from my estimation, he seemed to be more on the lower scale of economics. So do you think, do you think that's where most Christians and apostolics get the idea that well, Jesus was poor, so... No place to lay his head. Maybe I shouldn't buy a new car because it's not really Christian-like. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? If I'm going to exemplify Christ, then maybe I should sleep under a tree. Well, he did tell a guy, sell everything you have. Yeah. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah, that's a great question. So if it's God's will for us to have natural blessings and resources how do we how do we hold that intention with what Jesus exemplified and what he taught that's a mm. that's a very very good question it's one of the best uh, questions on this subject uh, in my opinion it's oftentimes improperly pointed out that Jesus was impoverished one of the proof texts to demonstrate the poverty of Jesus was the uh, passage of Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20 where he said foxes have holes and the birds have nests but the son of man hath not where to lay his head but Jesus was not giving a personal financial statement <laughs> in that scripture <laughs> right. that wasn't the intention the right. closest when you look at it's not a statement of poverty but he is simply saying to those that were considering following him that you have to elevate the interest over the kingdom over all of your personal interest. So again, it's, it's priority. The, the mission. Kingdom is priority. That's what it was. And then another pushback people have when it comes to Jesus and money is, what about when it was tax time? And they come to him and say, we, we have some taxes due, but we don't have any money to pay the taxes. And Jesus told Peter to go fishing and get a coin out of the fish's mouth. And so it's like, look right there. They didn't even have money to pay their taxes. How, how in the world were they walking at any kind of material or financial blessing if they were that poor? Well, once again, the Bible doesn't say they didn't have money to pay their taxes. Jesus told Peter to go fishing because he was trying to teach him a broader point here that if you want financial support, you got to go catch fish because the gold is in the fish's mouth. And that's a, that's a great text to indicate that God wants ministers and 
to still live from the income produced uh, from people that are one to God and that pay tithes. The coin is in the fish's mouth. Well, and uh, Peter was a fisherman. And he was a fisherman. It was something that, that he could relate to. Right. And then there's a scripture that I've, I've been in church all my life, and I think I've only heard one person ever mention it anywhere in all the services and all the preaching I've heard when it comes to Jesus and money. And it's in Luke chapter 8, verse number 3. The Bible talks about Joanna and Susanna. And these were two women that were evidently women of means. And the Bible says that they ministered unto him of their substance. Hmm, And so the reason Jesus was able to go about doing the work he was doing, let's just think about, aside from the miracles, we know that he took the five loaves and the fishes and multiplied it. He did that two times that we read about in the Gospels. But let's talk about the three and a half years of active ministry. If uh, if he, he and his disciples, if they ate three meals a day, maybe it was more, plus I don't know, but if it was three meals a day, that's thousands of meals. And he was feeding a total of 13 people. Yeah. So you calculate the groceries for 13 people, mm. three meals a day for three and a half years. Absolutely. That's a budget. That's a big budget. Now, I assume that it was not Jesus's everyday modus operandi to take a little breadcrumb and feed everybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That would get old, wouldn't it? Or it wouldn't have been noteworthy when he did. <laughs> That's right. So I think while the Bible doesn't explicitly address how they took each meal and where they got their groceries, I think it's fair to assume that on an average day, they bought groceries at the same market that everybody else did, and they paid the same kind of money that other people paid. So the question is, if Jesus is not working a secular job for income, how did they bankroll this? Well, this scripture here in Luke 8 and verse 3 is an indication that the reason they were able to bankroll three and a half years of miracles and teachings, the reason Jesus could sit out there and do the Sermon on the Mount is because there was Joanna and Susanna and maybe other people who ministered unto him of their substance. Mm, That's great. So here there are at least two women of means, but they understood the reason we have got what we have, the reason we have been financially blessed the way we have been, is because we have a mission, and our mission is to bankroll what Jesus is doing. Wow. That's good. Bro, that's good. That's good. So the question is, apart from Jesus doing some supernatural miracle, which which I want to emphasize, he could have done that. Sure, absolutely. But apart from that, could Jesus have done what he did in those three and a half years if it wasn't for somebody being blessed with the means to bankroll his efforts? Wow. 13 guys. Well, the reality is the same argument can be made today. I mean, Jesus, the, the, the miraculous ministry of Jesus it did not end. That's right. 
with his ascension. So, I mean, he could he could miraculously provide for my power bill again this week. Yes. But, but he's probably not going to. But he yeah, probably not. <laughs> you better go fishing, Peter. <laughs> so it is the substance that, once again, that blessing, like you said in our last episode, is that medium that provides the mission to go forward. That's right. And keep in mind, blessing is not about being rich. I'm a blessed man, but I'm not a rich man. Wow. God's blessing nowhere was intended to fatten up bank accounts. That's not the purpose of it. Right. Blessing means that you're going to be given some means by which you can empower the mission to go forward. Well, that, okay. I, I know I'm in the same category. I'm not wealthy. I'm blessed, but it is more blessed to give, give than it is to receive. And I can speak for myself. We are, and I know that you are as well. Um, I am heavily invested in mission work, heavily. And I love nothing more than being able to give. That is a blessing. Yes. That is a blessing. That's the purpose of blessing. And and would this be a good time for us to jump into Abraham? All right. Let's do it. Yes. Let's go. Let's, because the Abrahamic blessing is the foundation of all mission programs right there. We're familiar with the story in Genesis 12. God makes a covenant with Abraham. He said, you will be blessed and thou shalt be a blessing. Wow. So I'm going to give you yep. a blessing. Yep. And then you're going to go be a blessing. And then he follows it up. He said, and in these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That word families there comes from a word, I think it's ethnos or different ethnicities. And hmm. so basically God's saying, Abraham, you are going to be the portal to through the which my blessing goes to all the families of the earth. So I guess that would cover, I just wanted to interrupt because one of the things that comes to mind is, was not this blessing just for Jews? So I guess that covers it right there, what you just said. You know, that's the thing. God always intended to reach the world, Mm -hmm. and the Abrahamic covenant was the one the Jewish people celebrated, but the Jewish people missed it. They missed the mark like a lot of us do today. They grabbed so a hold of the idea of getting a blessing, but they did not grab the of other being. part of that. The purpose <laughs> of the blessing is to be a blessing. Mm. Yeah. And consequently, they went off track. They didn't utilize the blessing for its intended purpose. Mm. And, of course, we know that the Abrahamic blessing is ultimately fulfilled through the Messiah. Jesus comes and 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 then the Holy Ghost is poured out. And so there was a lot of spiritual inference in sure. Abraham's blessing. You're going to be blessed and you're going to be a blessing. Well, Abraham has blessed the world through his seed, which is Jesus Christ, and through right. the spirit of Jesus Christ that is in the world today. And as we're taking the gospel to the world, we are fulfilling that Abrahamic mandate to go into the world and being a blessing. But let's take a closer look here at, at Abraham. 
This blessing that God gave him was reaffirmed on a number of occasions in the Abrahamic text in Genesis. One particular one is that he went to Melchizedek, and he brought him tithes, and he gave it to him. Now, here's a big difference between what the prosperity sure. theologians do and what I've heard some apostolic people do. They say, you want a blessing? Give an offering. Offering first, tithing first, then there'll be a blessing that comes. Seed money. Well, I guess God could work that way, but when I'm looking through the Scripture in this blessing, I'm seeing it the opposite way. The blessing oftentimes comes before the gift, before the tithe. Well, well. Mm. I can't pay my tithes until I get my blessing first. <laughs> well, yeah. I do believe there's ongoing blessings as a result of it. But the charismatic preacher says, send $100 and you'll get a blessing. Where's Where'd the 100 come from? <laughs> Where'd the 100 come from? God's way is I'm going to give you a blessing and then go do something with it. And so Abraham goes to Melchizedek. He gives him tithes of all the spoils that he'd gotten in the battle. But note this. Melchizedek said to Abraham, Blessed be Abraham, possessor of heaven and earth. Mm -hmm. The Abrahamic blessing had a heavenly or spiritual application. Sure. But there was also an earthly aspect. Hmm. Now, I know that in there we're seeing the church, the spiritual seed, and the Jews, which are the natural seed. But we're talking about blessing here, and, and that blessing was more than just the church and sure natural Israel. It was the spiritual and the natural working together. But the interesting thing is when we get over into the book of Hebrews and we read about uh, Abraham's wealth, uh, Hebrews chapter 7 uh, deals with the uh, blessing that was given to them. It's interesting to me that Paul, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, or whoever wrote Hebrews, if you don't believe that, that's okay, but I think Paul did. Uh, the writer of Hebrews, when he wants to talk about the priesthood today, mm -hmm. and he's talking about Melchizedek, it's interesting to me that out of all the blessing passages that he reached back to and lifted, he went to the one that was in Genesis 14 and 19, the one where he said that Abraham would be the possessor of heaven and earth. Mm. And so Hebrews is letting us know that Jesus is a greater high priest because he comes after the order of Melchizedek. Right. And just like Melchizedek gave a blessing to Abraham that had both the spiritual and natural implication, when Jesus gives a blessing to his people, tell me, is Jesus going to be any less of a blesser than Melchizedek was? Yeah, yeah he don't play second fiddle to nobody. That's right. Melchizedek said, I'm going to bless you, spiritual, natural. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus steps into our world, I promise you, he's got a blessing that will encompass the whole man, spiritual sure and does. natural. Wow. Well, that, you know, it, that's like in the 
in the Sermon on the Mount, the meek shall inherit the earth. Yes. It's definitely, you know, we know that the poor in spirit are going to get heaven. But yes. he didn't leave earth. That That's not beyond our conquest. We, we can inherit that as well. That's right. Wow. So good. So good. You know, you were talking about, the, again, the natural and that flow with Abraham, and I'm not sure if you're through with that or not, but I ju- it, it just came back to me. Man, you remember when um, Brother Lawhorn was here? That's uh, been three or four years ago. And he made a statement. He said, if you're looking for a shortcut to a blessing, then find a man that is being blessed and bless him. That's good. Mm-hmm. Because he, he made that covenant with Abraham. I will bless them that bless you. That's right. So the shortcut to a blessing is find a man that's blessed and bless him. Yeah. And boy, this is another, and he was addressing that. Mm. This is another um, Achilles heel, if you will, in the apostolic ranks that when somebody's blessed, we pile on and attack. Right. <laughs> Instead of blessing. Instead of blessing, <laughs> and then and then get all bitter about the fact that it would appear like God has favorites. Yeah, that, that's right. But yeah, really, if we'll find what God's blessing and bless it. I believe that. And you know, the scripture in Galatians is, is the one that we have to tie into this discussion on blessing and Abraham. Because Paul clearly says in Galatians, I think it's chapter 3, he said, they which be of faith are blessed with Abraham. With, yes. Hmm. Romans, uh, either chapter 9 or 10, where he's talking about the tame olive tree, the wild olive tree, the wild olive tree being the Gentiles that are grafted in. He said of the Gentile branch grafted in that you are partakers of the root and the fatness of the tame tree. That's that's the root and the fatness go all the way back there to Abraham's blessing. And so I simply believe that the way this theology is, a, is applied, the way it should work, is when we get full of the Holy Ghost and we get busy about doing God's mission, we're reaching sinners. We're taking the gospel into new territory. God is going to raise up people strategically who are blessed with the financial wherewithal to back up the spread of the gospel. Right. Right. Churches, if churches are going to be built in our communities, it takes a lot of money to build a church. We just built right. one, I know. It takes a lot of money. And right. when you get in the church, it takes a lot of money to operate the church. Right. If you have a church of any size, it probably takes tens of thousands of dollars every month just to take care of the operation of it. Well, we don't operate churches from impoverished people. We just don't. Right. Now, we may have, I, I have people, in the congregation I pastor, wonderful people who live in poverty. I have that. Mm-hmm. But just because we have wonderful people who live in poverty doesn't mean that that's how it should be or that we can operate from that. 
or do we want we that to be the standard? We don't want that to be the standard, right. not at all. That that needs to be the exception and mm. not the rule. Mm. And so we're going to have to grab a hold of some of this Abrahamic uh, theme here, blessed to be a blessing, and that two things need to happen there with that concept. Number one is the people in our churches that are already blessed, but they're not letting those blessings flow into mission. They need to be challenged and they need to be given some revelation that the reason you've got what you have, the reason that God's put you in the positions you have to make the kind of money you make is so you can be a blessing to the mission of God. Right. right. That's the first thing. But Boy, then, that's not that's not a small step. It's not small. It's hard. It's yeah. difficult. You you yeah. get to you get to preaching about money. It gets tight. <clears throat> I heard a great man of God, a great expositor of the word, one of the heroes of the faith. He talked one time about the money being the root of all evil, the love of it. Yeah. And I heard him say that when you talk about the love of money, uh, that since it's the root of all evil. You're dealing with adultery and fornication uh -huh. and greed and anger and all of that stuff. And so when you start challenging people to give, uh, you're really uh, doing it. Well, Thank you, Brother Killip, for that thought. That was uh, that was <laughs> I said, boy, that sounded familiar. <laughs> <laughs> and But the second thing we got to do, in addition to challenging people to give that have been blessed, we understand in the kingdom of God, a lot of times revelation precedes actualization. Yeah. So we don't actually walk in the reality of something in many cases until we first get revelation. There's a pattern in the word of God that God always says before he does. Mm -hmm. He will sure. do good thing, but until he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophet. So the word of God always precedes good. the act of God. Good. This, this is a pattern. How's that apply to Abraham's blessing and poor people in our churches today? Well, we have poor people that grew up like I did. They're living like I grew up, and they view the world through a frame of poverty. They're so beat down, and their single goal in life this week is just trying to get the shutoff notice extended for yeah. another month and, yeah. and hmm. Robin Peter to pay Paul and just existing. That's their frame of mind. They're good people, love God. Sure. But what we've got to do is we got to start preaching the blessings of God from the scripture, not in a way of belittling those people and making them feel inadequate or feel like that, uh, uh, that they're, that, that we're disapproving of them because of their current struggle but simply presenting them the Word of God, that it is a biblical doctrine that you can be blessed in the natural in addition to being blessed in the spiritual. Absolutely. And God has a big purpose for you to fulfill, and part of you fulfilling God's purpose is coming up out of the shackles of poverty and letting God bless your life to the point that your blessing not only satisfies your daily needs, but it also begins to splash over and, and contribute something to the river of God's mission. Oh, this stuff, is I, I love it. it. Is it in this moment then that really the full weight, the full weight 
of the mission of God is is um, more evenly distributed. Not it's no longer just solely on the shoulders of you as the pastor of Christian Life Church, right? Or those that God has laid His hands on for pulpit ministry, if you will. Right. But now all of a sudden, ministry becomes something that that is everyone's. We we all feel the weight of that responsibility. So whether or not I'm writing notes to preach or writing checks to facilitate, I am doing my part to mm-hmm. get the vehicle of the mission of God down the road. Yes, yes. I think Paul was saying that. He said, he that planteth and he that watereth, they're mm. all one. That, yeah, yeah. And man, if, if, if our young people and our business leaders can get that understanding, then all of a sudden they, they realize, man, I'm, I'm, what I'm doing, washing this car, if that's my business, or what, what, whatever it may be, you know, you can sell yourself that that's a menial task until you tie it to the kingdom. Yes. And all of a sudden, what I'm doing here, planting, watering, as Paul used, becomes of eternal consequence. That's right. So our business becomes a part of God's mission. Yeah, mm. I've I've often I've often used this in discussion. Um, but when Jesus, the multitude is is surrounding him, and finally he he looks and says, "Hey, uh, Peter, can I can I use your your boat as a platform?" And he he pushes off. And, and then stands on Peter's vessel to propagate the doctrine and the gospel, what would have happened if Peter wouldn't have had that business? What would have happened if he wouldn't have had the ship? Right. So that business became the platform that Jesus used to communicate, communicate the gospel. Both were necessary. I love it. I love it. Both were necessary. So good. And, and if we can ever get the marrying of the two of those components— it's the balance, right? Yeah, he yeah. went into the highways and byways and pulled out the beggars, the guys off the street. Yeah. But he also got the business leaders. Yeah. They they were all part of it. Yeah. Right. Wow. How um and and if you're not ready to jump into this, then then we can segue into whatever portion you're wanting to go to. But I know that you've mentioned that this even flows the whole way through even into the millennial reign. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, that's a great part of this. So, what we see in creation is that Adam was created in a uh, sinless state, and uh, he was uh, put in a garden that was a place of I'll use the word prosperity. Sure. Let's let's talk a couple things about the garden that's often overlooked. First of all. In Genesis, the Bible says that when God put trees in the garden, mm-hmm. that he put some of those trees there. I think it's in chapter 2 and verse 9. Listen, this it, it's, it's blessed me so much when I, I saw this. He said, out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, yes. good for food. Yes. Okay. 
I get the fact that there needed to be fruit trees so man could eat. That's a basic mm-hmm. human need. That's right. So God, God was going to take care of it. But let's tease this out a little bit, because once again, this is the world of God's ideals, and this, this directly connects the millennial uh, dispensation. Yes. But here in the garden, God didn't just create one dish for, for, for Adam to eat from. If, if Garden of Eden was a celestial buffet bar, it wasn't just mashed potatoes in every container in the buffet. Yes, God right. put all manner of fruit trees there. Yes. God intended Adam to have variety every meal. Well, that's good. So hmm. food was not meant to just be a utilitarian thing. Eating was not just an exercise for survival. There are some people that kind of believe that that's what should be, that if you really like good food and the variety and uh, the fine cuts of meat, that that's, that's uppity. But no, that, that was God's plan, was for man to have variety. But notice there in that scripture that God also created trees and put them in the garden whose sole purpose so was good. to be pleasant for Just the earth. Just to be pleasant. This lets me know God cares about aesthetics. For sure. God cares about our environment being one that's pleasant and enjoyable. Yes. That runs so contrary to a lot of the redneck theology that a lot of uh, apostolics have that, that life should just be hard, and God really doesn't care about the finer things in life, and he doesn't care about art and he doesn't care about our environment just as long as you got your needs met. God cares about your needs, right. and nothing more than your needs. Well, right. I disagree. So my house shouldn't look like a bomb shelter, and the vehicle I drive should have like two or three doors on it, maybe at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we have a picture of plenty, a picture of aesthetic beauty in the garden. Well, Adam falls and here comes the curse of sin and everything gets messed up. But before that happened, notice another scripture in the garden before the fall. In chapter 2 and verse 12, the Bible said there was gold in the garden. And the gold of that land is good. Yep. Before sin, before greed, before avarice, before before any of the fallen stuff that comes along with the pursuit of wealth, God said, I want there to be money in my garden. Gold is the universal biblical sure symbol of commerce. And he said, I'm pronouncing that that gold is good. There was good gold in the garden. And the way man could get that gold was he had to go dig for it. So in the garden before the fall, there was a godly pursuit of wealth. And when that gold was, had it been mine, had Adam not fallen, he would have used it to build a society. And dare I say, he might've even used it to build a city. Wow. We get to the book of Revelation. And of course, there's a lot of scriptures in the Old Testament prophets that talk about the millennial reign. This is a time after the rapture. It is a literal time period. I do not believe the kingdom now theology that says we're living in the millennial reign right now. No, absolutely. Uh, Quite frankly, that is theological hogwash. 
Right. Amen. Agreed. The millennial reign is a coming time. Right. But it is a it's going to be a time when Christ sets up an earthly kingdom and the scripture, the whole body of scripture is very clear here. The earth is going to be restored to what the world would have been had Adam not fallen. But look at that city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of mm-hmm. uh, heaven. All of the, the gold, the gems, and all the stuff that it's built with, mm, you read absolutely. about those building materials in Genesis 2. Right. Wow, that's where right. they came from. Absolutely. And so that's what Adam could have done. Well, that's then. The earth's going to be restored. I think one of the Psalms said it this way. It said, then shall the earth bring forth its increase. The plowman will overtake the reaper. So the earth is just going to be bursting with fruitfulness. That's literal mm. stuff, like stuff yeah. you take to the bank. Right. Well, that's millennial reign. We're not there yet. We're right now. It's 2020 and it's COVID and we're wearing masks. It's a pandemic. We're all miserable with it. So how's how's that stuff apply to right now? Well, Here's how it applies. Hebrews chapter 6 tells us that when we receive the Holy Ghost, that we taste of the powers of the world to come. come. Yes. What is that world to come? Powers. It's that millennial reign. Right. And so there are qualities Qualities that we're all going to experience on a macro, cosmic, widespread level right. in the millennial reign. But when the Holy Ghost breaks from the future into the present, right. we get a microcosmic taste of what we're going to enjoy Earnest. on a huge level there. It's a down payment. Earnest, well, yeah. in the millennial reign, what are the qualities? What are the powers of that world? Well, we know that peace is one of them. Mm-hmm. The, the lion and the uh, the lamb, lamb laying down together, and uh, the we'll beat our swords and the plowshares. So it's going to be a worldwide peace. Well, when we get the Holy Ghost, we get the peace of God in our heart. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean there's peace on earth all over because there's not. Right. There's not peace all over the church. Right. But we right. can have pieces of the peace. Yes. Yes. That. Is, is coming through the Holy Ghost. Well, if one of the well-documented biblical qualities of the coming kingdom of the millennial reign is prosperity, is it a far stretch to say that when we get the Holy Ghost that we can start experiencing the redemption lift? Mm, yeah. That mm. living a life of righteousness and holiness brings with it some degree of financial increase? I believe that it does. I do too. On an anecdotal level, we've all watched people come into our churches and pray through and come in just out of a busted up, messed mm-hmm. up, dysfunctional world, unemployed. Like we don't hardly ever pray one through here in Memphis. It's got a job. Yeah. They, they come in, uh, as one old preacher said, busted and disgusted, toe up from the floor up. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's amazing how when someone truly repents and gets the Holy Ghost, Within just days, they have a job. Sure, they do. They start getting on their feet. And we're not talking about Lamborghinis in the garage. No, we're sure. not talking about jet airplanes, but we're talking about some financial well being. Yes. Getting into a place where you can provide for your needs and have something to give 
to it to be a blessing. To me, that's biblical prosperity. Yes. And and, and it's okay to preach that to people. Mm-hmm. It's okay to preach to people that God doesn't want them to live off government support. God wants them to bless, be blessed to the point they can stand on their own two feet. That's incredible. Uh, That's incredible, bro. Man, uh, a scripture came to my mind as you were talking about, and I didn't want to jump in and, and interrupt the flow of what was happening, but the trees that were planted in the garden that were just pleasant. Yes. They, they have no, no other, no other uh, purpose than just beautifying Eden. Yes. Our taxis in the time of Ezra and, and the reconstruction of the house of God, the temple, he said, that, that he made a decree to the treasurers of the house. Now, this is a level of blessing that I believe also comes to us, and I'm interested in your, your take on this as well. But here's a heathen king that is telling his treasury, secretary, I want you to open up the treasury, and whatever they need for this project, you give it to them. And then he specifies This is in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 27. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord. Mm, That's good. The sole sole purpose was not just to make it sound or not not to keep the roof from leaking, but I am I'm giving my secretary of the treasury the decree that you're to open up the coffers. Now, this is a pagan king that's doing this and supporting the beautification of the house of the Lord. That's good. That's so good. I believe that. So what element, um, Brother Adams, does even come into this where I believe Okay, let me give you this as an example. And man, we could just go on and on, but I don't think we'll take this will take too much time looking at my extremist host here. Make sure we're <laughs> we're good. Yeah, okay. Uh, if you don't know what that means, you got to listen to the previous episode. <laughs> um, for example, we're in a building program. We're in a fundraising uh, little season here, a pretty big season, and so. I've, I've looked into this. I, I see where when the children of Israel are brought out of Egypt and they come out with a high hand and they plunder the Egyptians and they're given gold and precious metals and, and, and garments, material, all of that. That is what they used to construct the tabernacle in the garden. So the, or in, in the wilderness, rather. So the idea that the holiest of holies, the gold in there, is really Egyptian gold. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is a concept that, that really, man, I, I want to tap into that level of, of a flow of, fa- of favor and the blessing of God. What role does that play in? So we've talked Abrahamic blessings. But clearly, this was another channel of blessing that was brought 
into even the funding of the mission, which was at that particular juncture in Israel's history, the construction of the tabernacle. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that's very good. And I think that in the uh, covenant of Moses under uh, in which that happened there, it's important to realize that the natural blessings given to Israel, the gold out of Egypt, the promise that he refers to over in Deuteronomy 8 in verse 18, where he said, it's the Lord thy God that giveth thee power to get wealth. This is why he gives you power to get wealth. It's to establish the covenant which he swear unto thy fathers. Wow. Yeah. What covenant was that? It wasn't Moses' covenant. He's speaking to Moses here. Right. But he said, Moses, before you and I had our deal worked out, I made a deal with your fathers. Right. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes. And he said, I'm giving you power to get wealth because your getting of wealth is going to be what helps establish the promise that I gave to Abraham. Wow. And so I think the principle there of taking the gold out of Egypt is that God wants to put people in businesses and positions where they make an incredible amount of money to do an incredible amount of good in the mission of God. Wow. And and I think on some level, I, I don't, no, sometimes it's always hard to quantify where revelation and, and spirituality actually technically intersects with the real concrete world. But I feel like one of the holdbacks from a lot of, for a lot of Pentecostal people actually going out and walking into a greater level of financial blessing is we don't have revelation in this stuff. Oh, absolutely. There, there yeah, is that. almost a fear right. and a pushback. Would you even dare say somewhat of an ignorance, really? Yeah, yeah, ignorance. And and even in society here in the United States, and I don't know how it is up in Canada, but there's a strong effort to demonize anybody that gets wealthy unless right. they're a sports hero. Right. Sure. Yeah, exactly. We hear terms like filthy rich. Yes, and, and being rich is always cast in a uh, negative deal. So it's what this does, and it's a phenomenon that's been studied by secular uh, uh, scholars here that that there is a little bit of embarrassment that comes with doing well. We have mm-hmm. to, a lot of times if we do really well and somebody kind of sort of finds out about it, we feel a need to apologize or minimize our success. Right, qualify it. Because of the stigma in society. Well, if it's that much in society, it's tenfold that much more in a lot of churches. We have just, we've created a deal that if a church is growing, they must be growing by some dishonorable means. They must be growing because they're trying to solicit members from somewhere else. Right, right. in, in the same way towards businessmen in the church, businesswomen in the church. Well, yeah, you must be cheating or doing something you wrong if you're a success. Somebody. And so when we have that in the backdrop of our theological thinking, no wonder it's hard for people that are really sincere about the things of God to step out and go do what they've been conditioned to believe is wrong to do. Yeah, it's, it's better to be mediocre 
That's right. So somewhere we got to give our people a theological understanding that it's okay to go out and be blessed and, dare I say, even become wealthy as long as they are pursuing the mission of God. Now, I want to interject this here because I don't think we can we can do all this uh, discussion without emphasizing this. Paul tells Timothy to caution those who will be rich mm-hmm. because they'll fall into divers' lust and a whole bunch of hurts will pierce their soul. And Jesus did say that it's harder for a rich man to go through the uh, eye of the needle for a rich man yeah. to get into the kingdom of God. Yeah. But then the very next verse, he said, but with God, th- God, all things are possible. Right. And we oftentimes right. hear the caution about the eye of the needle, but we don't hear the next verse that with God, all things are possible. That promise with God, all things are possible was specifically given in the context of rich people being saved. Right. And so I, I'd like to get into that verse and live that one too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, but but, but what the point I'm making here is that when we are consumed with becoming wealthy, we're going to get messed up. Yeah. If anyone were to walk away from this podcast and say, you know, I'm going to go become wealthy and that's going to become my mission. You're in trouble. Right. And you're going to be in trouble. You're There's the love off. of money. Right. But it, but the real theology of blessing says, I'm going to walk away and devote myself to God's mission like never before. And my acquisition of wealth is simply part and parcel of the greater goal of achieving mission. Once again, this is the difference between Bible prosperity and charismatic prosperity. Charismatic prosperity says, get your eyes on the jet and the jet ski. Get your eyes on the mansion and the car and go name it, claim it, have faith, and somehow you'll get that. Right. And seed offering. Right. But what we're talking about is getting on mission and then let the mighty blessings of God get turned loose in your business. Let God start sending you promotions and increases and bonuses and let good things start happening to your natural estate so that you're more effective at pushing God's mission forward. Wow. So really marrying, marrying those pursuits. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. can't divorce your faith from your finances. Wow. Well, that's good. That is so good. So really the takeaway from this is the, for me as a child of God, I, I, I want to tap into a flow of divine blessing that's rooted from the beginning, but really I'm getting it in parcel form from from the future. Yes, yes. So that, that's good. So it, it it's rooted it's rooted in an idealism that's here, but now is attainable from there. And and yes. that re- I love how you describe that redemptive lift that we experience when we tap into the future now. And and man, I I want that. I don't know if anybody else does, but I want that. Yeah, count me well, in. I want it too. I yeah. want that. Yeah. Wow. You know what? I can I can say God's blessed me to 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 live. And what I'm talking about is not just theory anymore. This is something that God's let me 
experience. Live in and experience, and it's wonderful. And I think everybody can experience it. Have you been blessed today by joining us on Kingdom Speak? Wow, what an episode. What a series with Pastor Caleb Adams. Blessing is the medium by which the mission is accomplished. I wrote that down. I feel like a part of my brain was expanded today, and there's a lot of room for expansion. So, <laughs> Now, you're not allowed to laugh, Pastor McKillop. Thank you. <laughs> Too late. Already did. <laughs> now, let Kingdom Speak bless you right now. Are you ready to receive it? How about the greatest of all time Bible giveaway? This is an Allen Bible goat skin, and Kingdom Speak wants to give it to you. So if you do not follow us on social media, now is the time to go look us up because all the details on how to win this beautiful Allen Bible is there. One more thing before we head out, make sure you subscribe to Kingdom Speak. Do us a favor. We are getting... Tremendous traction. The last month has been awesome for Kingdom Speak, and we want to thank you again for joining us wherever you're joining us from. So go find Kingdom Speak, like, subscribe, rate, review, do all those wonderful things, and that will keep this show on the air. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Kingdom Speak with Pastor Daniel McKillop. Mm-hmm.